going for two. Uh, then once we get it back again, if we have an opportunity to kick a field goal, that's three. You win 26 to 25. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were doing a pretty good job up to that point. Uh, next guys that came in, we had some issues. Um, I mean, I trust all my guys to go out there and play their best. You know, we didn't play collectively our best throughout the whole game, you know, giving up two scores on offense again, you know, just like we did at the beginning of the season. Uh, very frustrating, I can say that. Very frustrating. Well, he's still learning. I mean, Jalen's a baby, right? So when you play young guys, they, they sometimes they play young, right? Sometimes they might see something that's not really there. Um, but he's going to keep getting better. He's a great individual. He's going to be a really good quarterback. Um, you know, I don't, I don't fault him at anything because I know when I was that young, I was doing a lot of stupid things on the field. So, <laughs> you know, he's going to – young guys make young mistakes. That's just the way it goes. That's how you grow. You just don't want to be a repeat offender. You want to learn from those mistakes and put that in your memory bank from, from here on out. Welcome to your 10th episode of the XFL Insider Podcast. Today you have your hosts, Matthew and Drew. Drew, how you feeling today? Could be better, could be worse. You know how it goes, brother. Yep, yep. Drew got held up by some of the great travel that we have um, at, the, at the airport. He was held up Monday, so he actually didn't make it home till Tuesday. He was covering the game, and he got an extra day in Houston. Woohoo! <laughs> you can tell he's happy about it. <laughs> really, I had to freaking take a day off of work just so I could travel back. <laughs> I understand, brother. I had to travel back Sunday as well and was wore out. Um, makes for a long week, but it's worth it. As we go forward today, we are going to discuss our last regular season week within the XFL. We've had a lot of different things go on, on and off the field. And we're going to discuss those today. Um, before we get started, just want to say it's been a pleasure. Me and Drew both. It's been a great season. Absolutely. Yep. We thank the XFL. We thank everybody that's listened. Uh, it, we are definitely tired, but it's it's definitely worth it. And I've seen more of Houston than I've seen in my whole life, but I've loved every <laughs> minute of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Drew, before we get started, you got anything you want to say? Uh, not really, man. I think I'll just kind of lead into what uh, what is on everybody's minds, uh, you know, this this week, this weekend. That's uh, the loss of Chris Smith. Uh, just just a sad situation, man. Uh, no, no real details about it. Nobody's uh, released any information. The XFL put out a statement that said Chris was a powerful presence in the locker room, loved and admired by his teammates and the coaching staff. And, you know, shouted out uh, T's and P's, thoughts and prayers. I mean, when you lose somebody that's a that's a driving force behind your team, like to injury, even it it really shakes your team and, and has effects. But when you lose somebody altogether, it, it's a that's that's a rough situation. So 
not to lighten the blow that I don't think that it can be lightened, but Seattle is going to be playing with, with some serious motivation and heavy hearts uh, come this weekend. Uh, it's a, it's a sad thing. And they hate that it happened. It's very sad and very unfortunate. Uh, the cause of death is not known yet. He was 31 years old. It just turned 31 a few months prior, had a lot of life to live and was a good athlete in person. So it is very unfortunate so, and sad. And I read, I want to say it was on Twitter that he had lost. I can't remember if they were married, but he had lost his significant other that was that had just uh, had their child last year. So just a tragic situation altogether. Yeah, Chris was a great, great guy, great athlete. He had a lot of history within the NFL as well as just being a person of that people respected in and wanted to be around and loved. So rest in peace, Chris. I'm sure the Sea Dragons are going to come with some fury. Uh, for him this next week all right before we move on to the game summaries i just wanted to talk a little bit about the tv numbers i don't want to get in depth in this this is starting to cause some uh, differential dividing within the spring football community Uh, judging from groups online as well as people that have posted articles you see people arguing about who's the best xfl or usfl we're not going to do that here my suggestion for you people at home is to go check those numbers out they're on our social media stuff as well as anybody who is a notable figure within the xfl check those out and gather your own opinions from my opinions the numbers are almost the same for usfl and xfl which is a good thing for spring football the little bit of competition is also good but we need to be united for this all to work so i just want to say that i am happy with those numbers and I hope the people are at home as well. Drew, do you got anything you want to share on it? Yeah, I'm not I'm not 100% in line with you as far as like unity uh, with with the XFL and USFL. I think both of, both sides have made it pretty clear that they don't want anything to do with the other one, and they're trying to to succeed in their own rights. So, you know, I I do think that the arguing and and the competition between the two leagues really is a good thing overall. I don't think viewership really has any impact on that. Everybody loves football. Everybody it seems like it seems like a lot of there's a a lot of people that want spring football around. Otherwise, it wouldn't have stuck. So I think looking forward, prospects are good really for both leagues as it stands right now. I think you know there's some things both leagues can do better, but as it stands right now, I think it is a good thing that both leagues are around and, and both leagues are competing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree with that. And like I said, when I say the the divide, I mean with fans. Of course, I, right. I understand we're going to have a division within the actual entities, but fan-wise, it gets a little toxic sometimes. So It does, but every, um, you know how the internet is. Everybody wants to be right. Nobody yeah. suffers any consequences. It's, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've almost <laughs> not, I almost don't want to post any more TV numbers. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> when I saw that in the show notes, I was like, oh my gosh, we're doing this again. All right, moving forward. Uh, Let's talk about some games. We had some good games last week. Almost every game last week came down to the wire. What do you think? I mean, it was a good week of football. I mean, the XFL probably couldn't have wished for any better football for a week that a, comp- a competitor league is coming into the fold, you know, uh, USFL was, was last week. Uh, that was their first week for this season. 
and XFL really put on a good product across all the games. There there weren't any games that were that were truly snoozers. Uh, there was good football, huge plays in each game. I mean, really, really good watches all across the sleep. Let's talk about the Vegas Vipers taking on the Houston Roughnecks in Houston. The Vipers lost 21 to 28, but it was a hell of a game for Vegas. They they did really well and thankful for our Houston defense that they came ready to play. Grief, no kidding. <laughs> I'll just let you go ahead and take it from there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough, man. I mean, so if anybody watched the postgame presser for, for Houston where Silver's you know, strolled in casually late and uh, stole the stole the questioning show, so to speak. Uh, you know, he he was overly complimentary of the defense too, as far as getting them back in it, and that the defense was really the foundation that the offense leaned on to get going. So, you know, two absolutely outstanding effort plays. So, Tavante Beckett with a scoop and score down in uh, Vegas's end, and then. Was it back-to-back drives, or was it a couple of drives in between? I can't remember, but Ajene Harris had a just a freak play where he stood up Martavis Bryant and started to drive him backwards and then just swiped at the ball instinctively, and the ball popped out right into his hands as he was standing up, and Martavis Bryant didn't even try to tackle him. He just, I don't know what the deal was there, but he probably was surprised, honestly, because I think Ajene Harris was pretty surprised that he had the ball, so... uh you know, two defensive scores to get Houston back into it. Houston was down at the half again. And to this point, I don't think they had won a game that they were down at the half in. The offense really locked down, leaned on the run game. Max Borgie had a hell of an effort uh, yes, sir. running uh, less than 100 yards, but he had uh, close to 150 all-purpose with with some big returns. And then Bryson Aline finally punching the ball in for the first time this season. He's been so close. He had two chances in St. Uh, Seattle. He had a, he had a couple chances elsewhere where he had big runs to get down in scoring position. Then he just got subbed out, and and either Borgie or uh, Dejan Lee punched it in for him. But he finally got his just desserts and uh, definitely ate it up. I mean, it was a direct snap to him. And he took it off the left side after starting in the middle. He did a little bit of a jump cut and then turned and ran. Found some open space and just dive-bombed from about three yards out. Landed about three yards in the end zone. Did a little bit of a flip and then definitely got up and did a backflip. And went and jumped in the fans section. Man, it was cool seeing him score. He had a blast out there after that. Yeah, that was an epic moment. I'd walk down just when that started. I got on the field and got to witness that flip. And I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, it was a good moment. I didn't even have my camera ready or anything, but man, great to see. He's such a good dude. Like he he's super humble, super super thankful to people, uh, just a really gracious guy and a hell of an athlete. Super fun to watch. He's just explosive. I think anybody that's watched the the Roughnecks play this year have said, "Who the hell is that when he gets the ball?" Uh, just because he makes plays. He's got he's just got something about him. So uh, really cool to see him punch it in. I think there was a there was something interesting I thought come out of Houston's postgame press conference, and that was Brandon Silver saying he hasn't practiced for several weeks, and that's been since his arm injury, his throwing arm injury. You know, this could be some hopium here, but uh, if he's not been practicing, then he may just have been rusty the past few weeks, and if he gets a, a full week of practice in this week, then. Who knows? Maybe he comes in and he's 
you know, the first three weeks, Brandon Silver's not the not the last six. So, uh, you know, we could see he, he's had some inaccuracies and, and things like that over the last several games, but he's also had some really damn good throws. And, uh, you know, one of the two interceptions that that he threw this weekend was just a miscommunication between him and uh, Deontay Burnett on a, on a route. The other one was a, a bad underthrow, uh, but it was a deep ball. It ended up really not amounting to uh, too terribly much in terms of the broad scope of the game. So, you know, he, overall, Silvers did a little bit better this week. Numbers don't necessarily reflect it in terms of yardage. But I think he looked better this week than he did the past several weeks. So hopefully there's there's some upside coming. Yeah, I could feel from his presence of during the press conference, he, he had a little bit more swag and confidence to him also. Right. So I think we're good there. This upcoming week, it'll be curious to see if Houston plays their starters or if we're going to sit some people. That'll be that'll be pretty interesting. I think honestly, I think you play your starters because Houston's. Houston's not in a position to say, oh, we've got everything together. Let's just take take a week off. I think Houston's really got some things to figure out before they get into that playoff matchup even. And this is a good this is a a good warm up for that playoff uh, game, especially if we end up playing Arlington again. But even if we have to play San Antonio. uh, Using Arlington in a must win situation for them or what essentially amounts to a must win situation for them. Using them as a tune-up to to figure some things out and really try and take the cog out of the wheel for the offense, you know, it's. Uh, I think we need to use that opportunity as if we can. No doubt. Um, Want to talk about Jalen McClendon for a second? I thought he did pretty good. Man, uh, it he looks like an athlete, a stud. I bet they wish they had him at the beginning of the season as well. No kidding. Honestly, they'd be in in a, a much better place standings wise. I still don't think they'd be in the playoffs, but good grief, they'd be a much better team. And and I mean, who knows? They could could compete for the playoffs. They've got so that was what Rod Smith said that I've kind of said all season long during the press conference after the game this week was he's thought that they were the most talented team in the league, like hands down in terms of just looking at it on paper. I mean, you've got guys like Geronimo Allison, Martavis Bryant. Uh, on the defense, uh, who's the what's the name of the defensive lineman that played for uh, the Falcons? It'll come back to me. Anyways, they on both sides of the ball, they've had big names and they've had them healthy all year. So it, it's been it's been crazy seeing how they just can't really put together a full product. Now they did lose uh, Dimby the offensive tackle during the first half. And after that, that's kind of when the wheels fell off for their offense. Before then, Houston couldn't stop them. But when Demby went out, they couldn't protect McClendon. And Houston's defensive line, I think, started staying at home a little bit more and didn't allow him to get out of the pocket. And that ended up, you know, causing a few sacks, causing a turnover that resulted in a touchdown. You know, that scoop and score by Tavante Beckett. I think it was DeAndre Johnson that smacked the ball loose. Once, once Demby went out, man, it was... It was tough sledding for Vegas. But McClendon, just just to end on point here, <laughs> McClendon is going to be a problem moving forward. He's going to be a problem because that dude is really good. If they get offensive line protection, 
they're going to they're it's not going to be a one two win Vegas team next season. They're going to be com- competitors. No doubt. He's legitimate in everything he does. So be curious to see what happens with him in the offseason also if he stays around even. Yeah, I think I think he will. I don't think he's he's put together enough uh, polished highlights to say that you know he deserves an NFL chance as of yet. But I don't think it's necessarily far away. If he puts together a good season next year, he may be gone. Well, okay, that was a good game. Uh, Bob was there, Drew was there. We loved it. <laughs> we love you, Houston. Keep up the good yeah. work, man. Yeah, a lot of craziness in the press box too. So it's actually pretty cool. <laughs> Next up, let's discuss the Orlando Guardians. They lost a close fight to the San Antonio Brahmas, 23-25. to That game was in San Antonio. Uh, I didn't expect this one to be such a good one. San Antonio had a pretty good offensive stance throughout the game. Uh, Cohen looks good. Everybody looks good. I was impressed by this team. We went from the team of field goals to the team of playing football. So what do you think, Drew? I think the same. I think I think San Antonio definitely knew that they had some things that they had to fix going into that game, and they knew it was must-win. Uh, every game for about the last week or two has been must-win for San Antonio. Uh, they they really came with a with a whole different invigorated spirit than we normally see from them. Now, is that because they were playing Orlando? Is Orlando still that bad? I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that question. Quentin Flowers came in and played after Dormady got uh, benched for for Orlando. It, I mean, in terms of standings, it was a little bit of a slap fight, but it was an entertaining slap fight. I mean, Orlando with the Blandino, the the uh, the Mac Brown uh, fake punt pass. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Make uh, make me scream out loud. I was out eating. I screamed out loud. Yep, <laughs> absolute absolute dime that Mac Brown dropped, and then a hell of a catch too on the other end. And San Antonio just never said die. They, I mean, they plugged away. They pushed. They were consistent on offense. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they were super productive, but they were consistent enough to push through and really and ended up with the dub against Orlando. want to note Mr. Nick Holly. Um, he had four catches for 105 yards. So, he, was, he was utilized. Absolute spark plug for that offense. I knew, I knew he wasn't going to be out of the league for long. There, I'm so glad he got picked up. Oh, me as well. And me and him, we, we talk a little bit on Instagram, and I'm trying to get him in for an interview, but he is so fired up about the season, he's not taking any time off. And I understand that. So much respect to you, Nick. Yeah, no, that man's a hustle, hard, brother. hard worker, absolute spark plug for any team that he's on. We love to see that. That was a story when I saw it. Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Let's see. Let's see. I'm trying to see what Cohen's stats are. Do you have his stats in front of you by chance? Do not have his stats. Let me see if I can pull them up real quick. Let's see what he did this game individually. I've got his season stats, but just this game, I want to see. Uh, who was it you were looking up? Cohen. Uh, Cohen. Cohen. I keep saying it wrong. Sorry. <laughs> no, he was 25 for 31, 302 yards passing. And one gotcha. touchdown. Uh, almost 10 yards per pass. So averaging pretty much, pretty much a first down every time he threw the ball. So, I mean... Cone definitely put together a great performance, and honestly, they had almost 100 yards rushing too. Like the, it was it was a complete performance from the standpoint of the style of offense that that San Antonio likes to run. So, yep, yeah, yeah, Patrick looked good running the ball. He he looked really good. 
Yeah, Patrick had 130 total uh, total yards and a touchdown. Nice, nice. So it it seems like they've figured out a little bit of a recipe for success there. I mean, Nick Hawley comes in. Uh, maybe teams don't have any film on how they how San Antonio wants to use him, so they're dangerous that way. And then Jock Patrick is becoming a force out of the backfield in in the passing game as well uh, this this past week. Maybe that's something that they can use to to help them against DC. Who knows? And they're going to need the help. So yeah. with the <clears throat> with the coordination and and the fire they played with last week, I don't think it's out of scope that they can pull a win off this next week. Oh, and what about Beasley's pick six, man? Oh yeah, beautiful. Basically beautiful. standing on the on the line of scrimmage and just bats it out of the air and it miraculously just falls to him. What we we had a few slaps this week. A few slaps. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, good games. Speaking of Beasley, we'll we'll talk about him some more later. Do we got anything else we want to share about these two teams, specifically this game, before we go forward? Uh no, I don't think so. I, I mean, it, it was just another good game. It, it was entertaining to watch. No doubt. And it, like I said last week or the week prior, it's funny how these teams that we talked about, we talked mess about originally, are putting out these products that we want to watch now yep. and that we are enjoying, you know, more than those winning teams. So When you have so much talent on each roster league-wide, it's a matter of time until everybody puts it together. You've got brand new coaches who have never coached before. You've got you've got guys who have only been ever associated with the NFL or coached in the NFL or played in the NFL. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of unknowns coming into the season, but when you pair unknowns with talent, usually you end up getting some good unexpected results. And sometimes you have to wait a little while for them. Other times it it happens at first and flames out. So there's I mean, there's any number of storylines for this year for the XFL, but finally putting out really good content or really good football is a huge deal for the league. Yes, sir. All right. Let's talk about the Arlington Renegades. They lost 26-28 to the Defenders in D.C. That game was sold out, by the way, um, 18,000-ish strong. Uh, that was also a good game and was not expected, in my opinion, and took it down to the wire. When I turned that game on, I was sure that the Renegades were down, I think, by three scores, maybe more. And then I got off and I got back on and they had caught back up. And this is the excitement of the yep. XFL. This is what it does. It, it When a team's out, they have the opportunity to come back like that. So great job, XFL. Drew, what do you got? Some details about this game. Well, I mean, so you you touched on the 18,000 person sellout uh, really, I mean, it looked great on TV, almost a dollar per person towards the beer snake. The beer snake was $17,000 ish uh, plus a little bit more. I think that was figured out by ESPN's uh, Stormy Bonantoni. This game did go to overtime. I forgot to mention that. Definitely. it, It went to overtime. It showed off the excellent overtime format that the XFL has. There's high drama. Luis Perez came alive in the second half. The The defense for the Renegades came alive. It seemed like D.C. couldn't get anything going. And D.C. just had a little bit more in the two-point conversion comp- uh, department. I mean, honestly, it was kind of it was almost a tale of two halves. I mean, even it really, you can't even say a tale of two halves. It was it was really the fourth quarter for Arlington that 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 they stepped up their their level of play. 
and there was a couple of a couple of things that happened that uh, that Bob Stoops, you know, was rather upset about or maybe could have challenged. But I think he he called a solid game overall in terms of, you know, from the head coach standpoint and and kept his team in it. And there there was a cool moment on the sideline where he, you know, first started started uh, chewing out one of his players and then turned it into a, a learning experience for him. And uh, even one where uh, he got on to the receiver because the receiver changed his route kind of mid route and it hung Luis Perez out to dry for, for a pick six. And I mean, I mean, Bob Stoops put on a coaching masterclass just to get back into that game. So, uh, you know, a little bit unfortunate for D for uh, Arlington rather that they didn't win, but I mean, they definitely showed that they do belong, you know, with the better teams in this league. I think, honestly, I think the addition of Luis Perez is a huge deal for their offense and it, and they're going to be a threat for Houston next week. Uh, big time. Yes, and with that loss, they need to beat Houston next week, correct? Or hope the Brahmas yeah. lose. Yeah, if, if if Arlington wins, then they're in. But if they lose and uh, Arlington or and San Antonio wins, then they've got problems. Yeah, that uh, I will note the Arlington defense is impressive as always, and that once again is a reason they keep in the game. And that's a lot of these teams, and my team included Houston. Thank God for defense, as yep. it's going to win championships, no doubt. And there has been like a lot of scoring defense in this league this year. There's been a lot, and it's not even bad play on the offense usually that does it. it no. It's just been huge, big, big boy plays by the defenses. Yep, yep. Whether it's been a pick or a batted down ball or a forced yep. fumble, that all those things are, are that takes skill. That's not just luck. Yep, and there's been a lot of defensive touchdowns too. I mean, it's <laughs> it's, yeah. it's been crazy. Yeah, no doubt. So we hope to see <clears throat> the Renegades come out and play next week, and I'm sure they will because their season's on the line. Like you said, Luis Perez looked pretty good. I mean, he, big step up from what they were doing prior. So good job, Arlington, stepping your stuff up, making that fan base proud. Yep. Kindly trip up next week, though. <laughs> <laughs> Now, they'll be playing our defense next week, so it'll be a little different for them. Before we move on, anything else, Drew? Nope. I think uh, I think we pretty much touched on everything in that one. A pretty straightforward game, pretty straightforward performance, pretty straightforward result with the accepted, exception that nobody really expected Arlington to, to put on a, a fourth quarter show like they did. Okay. Let's move on to the Seattle Sea Dragons beating... The St. Louis Battle Hawks, 30 to 12 in St. Louis, specifically Ooh. the Battle Dome. Yes, uh, the, I think there was 33,000, give or take, at that game there. And they were rowdy there till the end, started losing. and think wasn't so rowdy anymore. Yeah. Turn, turns out when you can't tackle and your defense can't stop uh, what's coming, your, your attendance drains out mid-game. The St. Louis franchise loves their team, but they got to win. Yep. <laughs> and it's clear and obvious. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you've got that many people that are out, everybody sees the writing on the wall and they're like, all right, well, 35,000 people, let's, uh, we're starting to border on significant traffic now. So let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> it, it makes sense that, that a lot of them started leaving somewhat early. Uh, it, it wasn't anything extreme. You know, they were still in the game technically. 
Uh, Seattle was er, was just way too much for him. I mean, Jacor Pearson, my goodness, that guy's a nut. Like he is crazy good. Great open field uh, play. Great vision. That long touchdown reception that he had from Danucci, where where he broke like four tackles and zigzagged in the middle of the field and just just an absolute thing of beauty. Yeah, he, he's an athlete, no doubt. So, I mean, I want to note on Ben DiNucci. I mean, he looked good. 20 for 30 with 242 yards, and he ran for 38 yards on seven attempts. Yeah, and he, and he threw a non-consequential interception, too. Like, it was <laughs> it was the first time that he threw an interception, and it wasn't like, oh, well, that was mandatory. Like, I mean, I still made the joke, but it didn't end up affecting the game any. It didn't make the game any closer. You know? Yeah. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I want to note. I, I think Pearson to me, he almost he looks almost like a Jamar Chase. I mean, it, it's very similar in my in my mind and watching him play. Making, yeah, I, think, I think he reminds me a little bit more of like what Golden Tate was in uh, college. Understood. Just like if the ball's around him, he's going to catch it. But if there is any space whatsoever you can bet that he's about to exploit it and, and turn it into the absolute most that can happen, you know, for, for yards after the catch, just absolutely stunning wide receiver display from him on, on Sunday. AJ McCarron had a rough game this time, and this was probably his first rough game of the season. He threw for 186 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions. It wasn't too good for his, his normal span of play. Uh, do you think he's going to step it up next week coming in? I think that depends. I think they're kind of squatting on his injury a little bit. If you, if you remember, I think it was two weeks ago he sat out and the backup had played uh, against Vegas. And, uh, you know, back, backup didn't do too bad. But McCarron didn't look like himself. And I think I've, I think they're sitting on his injury a little bit and he's trying to gut it out. Ultimately, an injured, injured McCarron is better than uh, what their backup is. Although he didn't, like I said, he didn't play bad. But, you know, if if, if McCarron is hobbled or injured and it's affecting his play, then St. Louis has a tall order this week again. So, uh, I mean, in Orlando, because Orlando, I mean, they still scored points against San Antonio's defense. And San Antonio's defense is, is you know, up there in, in terms of in terms of performances. So. It's going to be interesting to see what happens between St. Louis and Orlando this weekend, uh, just based on the fact that McCarron may not be 100 percent. Yeah, his his former backup, Teano or Teano, correct, Nick? I believe so. He hurt his foot, so he's actually out for the season now. Do you know who their backup currently is? I'm trying to find it right now. Grief. I hadn't even honestly I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yep. I know Manny Wilkins, they they dropped him, I believe, a while back, so he's not there right. anymore. So let's see here. Battle Squawks. Let's look at the roster. Of course, it's not in order. So they've got A.J. McCarron, Wilkins. So they still got Manny Wilkins? They've still got Manny Wilkins, but I was, the reason that the reason we had a little bit of dead time there is because V. Testaverde, there's no photo on here. I don't know if Vinny Testaverde has a son. I've never heard of him. Vinny Testaverde's got to be like 60 years old by now, so there's no way he's... I just saw that, and my first thought was Vinny. I was like, what? No. But yeah, there's somebody by the last name of Testaverde with uh, first first initial V at quarterback on the Battlehawks roster. So 
Who knows? But yeah, Manny Wilkins is still there. So ten four. So they do have a backup. We just yep. don't know much about them. Right. Oh, Battle Hawks. I hope for this franchise that they have it figured out because it, it makes me sad to see them ride so strong and then fall off on the end. No comment. Yep. <laughs> now we're we're going to talk more about their playoff implications here in a little bit. But uh, specifically on that game, I mean, what's it? I'm trying to find some more good stats. <laughs> <laughs> well, so honestly, I mean, Danucci, Danucci really, I mean, played his ass off this game. He, it, it was, I don't want to go as far as saying it was a master class, but like it was about as close as you're going to see it to a master. It was definitely an XFL master class. No yeah, doubt. for sure. For sure. I mean, finding all the different receivers that he found, the total yards that he put up, the touchdowns that they scored, and he was making really good, smart throws underneath too. It wasn't like he wasn't just bombing the ball downfield and, you know, they, Oh, well crap. I threw an interception. Hope they got, hope they don't score guys. Like, it, it was a complete performance for them on offense and really on defense too, because St. Louis has been a good scoring offense the entire season and it, it's not an easy offense to stop. So, you know, they, they really put together a complete performance. Uh, Seattle, they being Seattle. Yes. Yes. I understand. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to note the play. I think it was like a seven or eight yard play where he ran up the middle and just trucked his way into the end zone. Oh, and he, so, all right, this is this is where this is where I say some things that are not wholesome. Uh, <laughs> I cannot stand Ben Danucci. I can't. <laughs> I just, it, you know what? I who knows? I may meet him one day, and he might be the nicest guy to your face. But when you knock somebody out literally, and then you stand over them, and then for three minutes afterwards, you're flexing and and telling the crowd to be quiet, like, all right, guy, we get it. You did something cool. Shut up. Like, play your position. Quit bragging that you knocked somebody completely, completely out. Like, hopefully that dude's going to be all right. You don't have to shine your ass in front of 38,000 people in person and then countless hundreds of thousands at home. Like that, to me, that makes you a great A douchebag, regardless of who you are. I feel that, <clears throat> and my argument here is if he wasn't playing like an XFL all-star and he was acting this way, I, I wouldn't like him a lot more. But, I mean, he's talking the talk and walking the walk right now. I, I don't think it's The a, only a, reason a, that he's really walking the walk, though, is because his defense failed him out multiple, multiple times. True like, that. I mean, you can hear so how he talks Let's be real it. here. He's got double-digit interceptions. You can hear how he talks to his coach just in, within the huddle. June, what are we running yeah. next? June, I June, mean, what the hell? June, I mean, so I mean, I'm I'm following you, bro. I, I I agree with you, but you can't lie and say he's not backing it up. So I mean, he he he's playing. No, he's playing good, but if if he had, I don't know, man. I I don't I don't believe <laughs> in doing that stuff overall. Like you, I'm when somebody's way. hurt, you don't you don't. Yeah, that's just. It's some unwritten stuff you you don't do, and if you do it, you're an asshole, right? Like the, the, there's no there's no ifs ands or buts about it. Like you're an asshole. That's that's just what it boils down to. And you know it. Honestly, I'd be would I be a little bit more upset if he was the best player in the league doing it? 
No, because because I, I look at it the same way, whether you're a crap player and you make a good play or whether you're the best player in the league and you make a good play, you don't mess. You don't stand over somebody that's hurt and you don't you damn sure don't brag about it for minutes afterwards. But it, it's just it ain't right. <laughs> I understand. Uh, uh, not disagreeing. We just don't know the full situation either. You know, what if, what if that guy was just talking crap to him the whole time? He finally had his opportunity to knock his tail out. I mean, oh right, but I mean, it is what it is. In that case, you learn. He learned his lesson. He got what was coming. To him. <laughs> Shut the hell up and get back in the huddle. Like, you that's know what a, I mean? That's a big quarterback there. <laughs> no, for sure. No, that's what I'm saying. Like the if the dude that was knocked out was talking trash the play before, so what? You don't flex over somebody that's knocked out. He he can't freaking see you doing that shit anyway. So why? Sorry, I'm about You're to. You're fine. Go ahead. We need to. We need to go on. <laughs> bottom line, I can't stand Danucci. I cannot. I can't. I can't even with that guy. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> that is our game summaries for week <laughs> nine. Oh, what a week it was. What a week. Next up, let's discuss the Orlando Guardians versus the St. Louis Battlehawks. That game is Saturday, April 22nd at 12 p.m. Eastern, and it is on ESPN as well as ESPN+. Plus. All games are streamed from ESPN+, Plus, regardless of their main channel. So, as we get started in this, um, what do we think here? I mean, it, generally, looking at this, I would think St. Louis is going to steamroll the Guardians, but as we've seen the past few weeks, we've kind of got some upsets going with the Guardians and other teams. So do you feel this could be an upset for the St. Louis Battlehawks? I do. I think it's got a little bit of it written, you know, maybe written in the stars. I, won't, I don't want to say written in the stars because we are dealing with Orlando here. But, you know, it's, I think the, the thing with A.J. McCarron being injured, that's that's a huge deal. If he is not at 100%, then there's every possibility that Orlando can come in and score some points in the fourth quarter after having that defense on the field for a while and really make it interesting or win outright. So, you know, I see – do I see Orlando winning for sure? No, absolutely not. But do I see a competitive game? 100%. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I think it's going to be a nail-biter. And that doesn't bode well for St. Louis because St. Louis has to make up points to stay in the playoff race. Yeah, and a lot of St. Louis, their success is going to come if their quarterback's playing or not, or if he's hurt or not. Uh, This team is really going to rest on McCarron's shoulders at this point in terms of offense. So, it's tough for them because even if they do make the playoffs, if they wind up with a hurt McCarron, how much further can you go? Right. And, you know, St. Louis is favored by nine. It's in, it's in the battle dome. They're favored by nine. So, you know, they have all the, they have everything seemingly in their favor, but if McCarron's like we're saying, if McCarron's not going to be at a hundred percent, then that opens the door for Orlando to, to pull off some shenanigans I would imagine Quentin Flowers is going to start. Quentin Flowers looked really good in in his snaps uh, against San Antonio's defense. He was moving the ball. I mean, uh, there's this isn't really cut and dry for St. Louis. Do we have anyone else to look out for on either team in terms of skill players? Um, 
I know we had Brian Hill for St. Louis. He's he's had some pretty key fumbles, um, stuff like that, that that you could note. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if Lattimore plays. Lattimore's an X factor for Orlando, but I don't know if he got shut down for the season because he's just too talented. Nobody wants to hurt him. They want to have him back next year, or what the case is. But if we're, especially if Lattimore plays, then San Antonio might have problems. But I think really Quentin Flowers is going to be the the X factor for Orlando. And, and St. Louis, St. I mean, St. Louis, even with the hurt McCarron, you still have to look out for Butler. You still have to look out for Hill. I mean, they've got some dogs on that offense. So I, I think I think this is going to be a lot closer than what Vegas thinks. Yeah, no doubt. At this point, Orlando doesn't have anything to lose. So expect them right. to go for it and go hard. And that includes fake punts, fourth and 15s, yep. whatever that takes to get the win. They're going to do it. They have nothing to lose but everything to gain from this win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're playing against the top three team in the league on the road at their place to end your season, which hasn't gone the way that you wanted it to. So what better way to end a season than with a win in those circumstances to build on into into the next season? Like if they win against St. Louis, they know they can play with anybody. So what's that do for their next season? It just helps them start a little bit higher. The line or the spread is minus nine for St. Louis and the over under is 47 and a half. How do you feel about that? Because so I I don't think St. Louis covers. I, I think they cover there on that. Really? You think they, they win by nine or more? Yeah, I think it'll be more a good nine? game as long as McCarron's playing. Now, if McCarron's not playing, that doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But I think at this point that. It, this is my opinion is it's it's almost embarrassing if you're a St. Louis and you're going to get almost you're going to have it come down to the wire against the worst team in the league, Orlando. And that's just my belief, um, especially going into the playoffs. This may be St. Louis's last game as well, regardless of what they do. Right. So I, I think they're going to show out if the opportunity arises just because you don't have another choice. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the over is there as well. I, I wouldn't take the under on that. Yeah. See, I don't know, because. If McCarron's not 100%, then they may not score a whole lot. You know, Agreed, so, agreed. And with Orlando playing musical quarterbacks, they're probably not likely to score a whole, whole lot either. I, I don't know that I would touch the over-under, but if I did, I would probably lean under until I knew that McCarron was 100%. Understood. Now, when we're talking playoffs for, for St. Louis, St. Louis is – so according to the XFL, they've got differential – as one of their stats and the differential is what it would go to if, if both Seattle and St. Louis win next week. So the differential for Seattle is 47 points in the positive and the differential for battle Hawks is 22 points in the positive. Now they both would have the exact same division record, which would be, you know, so, so the order of your, of your tiebreakers goes overall record division record and then you get into differential so differential between the between the two teams right now is 25 points in favor of of the sea dragons so if both teams win that means that the differential in points the battle hawks would have to make up 25 points to go into the playoffs 
Looks like Jake just joined us. Jake, you got anything you want to add on the playoff picture for the Battle Hawks or the Seattle Sea Dragons? I played the fifth. <laughs> Understood. Now, guys at home, if you're listening, if you want to check out some more stuff on the scenarios, there's a lot of stuff posted on social media. I've posted stuff on my accounts, the XFL Insider Podcast. Check it out. If not, check out guys like Mike Mitchell. They're very informative and give you the information you're looking for. And who knows, if you got a question, send them a message. They may answer. Most of these guys are really cool and down to earth. Um, as Drew said, it, this is going to come down to a tie, and that tie is differential. It depends on if, if whoever wins. I mean, we've got a lot of different things going here. So if St. Louis wins and Seattle loses, St. Louis is in the playoffs, correct? That would be correct. That would be correct. Their overall their overall record would be better. Okay, so there's one scenario. Two, if St. Louis loses and Seattle wins, Seattle's in the playoffs. That is correct. Three, St. Louis loses, Seattle loses, St. Louis is in the playoffs as of a fourth loss in a non-divisional match. Is that correct? That would be correct. They would have the better divisional record than Seattle would have at that point. Okay. Okay. So, and then, like you said, we're down to the fourth, which is what you just discussed. And I don't even need to hit that because you discussed it and it makes sense. It's points for minus points against. So both of those scenarios are going to affect the Sea Dragons as well as the Battle Hawks. It sounds a lot more confusing than what it is when you actually sit down and just read it and look at the numbers. It makes sense. So right. people at home, check it out. I mean, it's it's I really mean, the easy. Fact that it's coming down to this is is good for the XFL big time. I mean, there, there's a playoff race still alive in week 10 for both sides. And it's a 18 league like you. You can't really ask for much more. No, sir, you can't. All right. Uh, before we move on, Drew, did you have anything else you wanted to cover on this before I ask Jake if he does? Nope. Jake, what you got? Anything? We just discussed the Battle Hawks last game, uh, week nine game. Do you have anything you wanted to talk about for that game? Again, I played the fifth. Okay. Moving forward, let's talk about the D.C. Defenders taking on the San Antonio Brahmas. That game is in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. It is taking place on Saturday, April 22nd at 3 p.m. Eastern, and it is on ABC. Like I said earlier, all games are also on ESPN+. <clears throat> now, the Brahmas have some, some work to do here if they wish to keep their season hopes alive, and that is to take on the D.C. Defenders. The D.C. Defenders aren't untouchable like we thought. We thought a few weeks ago that nobody would take them down until the losing Orlando Guardians knocked them off their pedestal. What do you guys think about this game? Any excitement, any names to watch, and what can we expect? Well, I think for for San Antonio, you go back to Patrick out of the backfield. Uh, You talk about Nick Hawley. Jack Cohn came around, had a really good performance. The, the offense really showed some strides. They've Nobody doubts their defense is really good. I mean, they've got one of the better scoring defenses in the league. So I would, it's an outside shot maybe, but I don't think that they're as far off from D.C. as, as anybody may think. I mean, you look at what, Orlando, or what Arlington did against D.C. this weekend in D.C., and you realize, hey, they, like you said, they're not untouchable. So, you know, 
do I think it'll happen? No. Is it possible? Absolutely. And if the Brahmas win, then that puts pressure on the Renegades to win. Because the, the Brahmas actually lead in differential over the Renegades by 19 points. So, I mean, theoretically, if Houston came out and, you know, say beat beat Arlington 31 to nothing in the in the uh, the Brahmas won by one point, then they would be in. And I don't think that that's going to happen to Arlington. But I mean, the Brahmas definitely need an Arlington loss. But that was just just to put out there how how they could end up with pretty much or how they could end up with the same record, but the Brahmas would would go through. Yeah, this is one of those times where if if they win, <clears throat> Arlington has to win or they're gone. So this this yep. would be a good little uh, little competition for the weekend to see what's happening. Absolutely. Everybody's so focused on the Battle Hawks and Sea Dragons race, I think they turn their heads from from the Renegades and the Brahmas, which, I mean, both of them have a, a losing record right now. Uh, so, you know, rightfully so, I would imagine. But, I mean, it is still a playoff race. So Yes, and the Brahmas have shown that they have an offense, finally. It took nine weeks, but here we are. And we actually played a game without kicking a million field goals. So <laughs> worked out well. And I'm I'm happy for them and their fan base, as well as their coaches. They deserve to know that they are a legitimate football team, regardless of win or loss record. Right. Now, I, like I said, it should be a good weekend. I'm excited. I think um, this this, to me, is one of my favorite games for some reason this week i don't really know why i couldn't tell you but it, it I, I feel like cndc get beat up a little bit will be good for my soul so <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you look at it there's there's a lot of intrigue around this game i mean dc's really the only team in position to to rest their starters i mean houston could but houston also has a playoff game against potentially the same exact team next week or against a very similar team who has had a resurgent offense. So there's more, there's more, I guess, initiative for Houston to play their starters than there is for DC. If DC rests their starters, I mean, I could definitely see San Antonio winning that, you know, it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Most of my thought is in terms of, of this, this portion of the league, Houston's good, but we're not amazing. So all these teams have a chance to actually win this championship or get there. And so I'll be I'll be ready for that playoff game when we finally have it. Oh, for sure. Jake, you got anything you want to add before we move on? Well, let's just say my little take is going to be a little bit saucy. It's kind of of a uh, Stephen A. Smith meets Woody Page uh, scenario. I, outside of the playoff implications and the fact that it's on ABC, that's all they really have going for it right now. I really don't expect this game to be very exciting at all. I mean, considering you already got one team that's already a lock in the playoffs and one that could or could not, it just depends on uh, who tends to be who will in, actually end up being the least sucky team out of Texas this weekend. Uh, that's the only thing I can take out of this. I mean, the only thing it, re- it really has going for it is 
the uh, implications for um, for getting in the playoffs, potentially for San Antonio. But I mean, unfortunately, I'd, I'm I'm more than likely seeing almost a blowout scenario where, yeah. The Brahmas will get some offense in, but DC may be too uh, too much for them to handle. Um, I mean, like I said, just playoff implications and the fact that it's on ABC, uh, which I will likely be watching. But outside of that, I mean, not much out of it's going to uh, thrill me any. Uh, especially in the sports betting department where I, I it's like, uh-uh, no, thank you. Uh, hard pass. Yeah, and speaking of sports betting, I mean, it's a, the defenders are three point favorites. The game, if I'm not mistaken, is in San Antonio. It looks like, no, it's not. No, is it? Yeah, it should be. It is in San Antonio. So three point favorites for the defenders over under a 42. flat. Mm. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't touch this game either just because mm-hmm. I don't know if DC is actually going to start their starters or not. Right. Yep. This is definitely not a betting game. Yeah. No, no doubt. Now, Jake, I, I agree with what you're saying to a point, And yeah. it was because I watched the game last week and saw how a team came back and almost beat DC. So uh, if it wasn't for the few unexpected loss or the two that or the one, and then the one game that DC had against opponents, I would be screaming the same message you're screaming right now. All right, let's move on to the Houston Roughnecks versus the Arlington Renegades. That game is in Arlington. It's Sunday, April 23rd at 3 p.m. Eastern, and it is on ESPN. Now, the question hangs in the air. Will the Roughnecks set their starters? And will the Renegades come out ready to play? Uh, Lots of questions here. What do you think, Drew? I don't think the I don't think the Roughnecks have the luxury of sitting their starters. I think with 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 Silvers having been injured for a while and not playing the best and the offense having hiccups, yeah, they've found ways to win games, but sometimes that doesn't get you very far when it comes to playoff games or the championship, especially at, at the higher levels of football. So this is an opportunity to figure something out, right? Arlington's gonna be playing on fire. So you're going to have the level of competition there to figure something out. You're going to have to step up to win this game because Arlington's come. They're gunning for you. Houston doesn't really care if they lose, but Houston does care if they figure out their offense. And I would honestly, I would say if Houston goes down a couple of scores in the first half, they probably pull their starters. So another situation where I don't think I would bet on this game just because of the dynamic that's going on there. But I mean, Arlington showed they can hang with the best in the league last week, and they've kind of shown that all year. They've been in that middle tier, but they've been in, in very close games. They haven't really gotten blown out many times. Uh, they're they're a consistent football team, if if nothing else. So, and then you know with Luis Perez stepping in, he's kind of lifted their offensive production a little bit. So, you know we'll see if they can if they can keep that going against Houston. We'll see how long Houston keeps their starters in. I don't expect the starters for Houston to finish the game regardless, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. It, the biggest thing is the playoff implications for this game, and people are going to want to 
see a good game. I think it will be a good game for a little while. I don't know which way it's going to go. If it goes against Houston, they'll pull their starters. If it goes for Houston, then they'll probably ride it out and just get as much of their offense figured out as possible. What you got, Jake? Anything to share on that? (sighs) I will keep it very, very brief. Houston, do me a favor, beat Arlington, and yeah, put them out of their misery. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, I think this game's going to be close and going to give us a little preview into the playoff picture long term. Or not really long term since we're here now. Um, but uh, these teams are much more evenly matched than what it appears, in my opinion. I'm just going to be honest about yeah. that. Uh, Houston week one through three, amazing. Houston now, we're not the same. As you said, if we can figure this offense out and figure out our pieces and our, our correct moves down the field, then we'll be fine. But that that's going to take actually playing the game of football. So yeah. I don't see us sitting starters either. I would be disappointed if we did and had a lackluster uh, game just in general. It would it'd make me right. disappointed as a fan. I mean, if, from a coaching standpoint, if you're potentially playing the ne- the same exact team next week and it's a playoff game, you want to force them to show as much as, y- as you possibly can. You want your defense to go out there and make life absolutely impossible for them so that they have to come up with new stuff that maybe they haven't done all year. Because then it puts the pressure on them to perform and not the pressure on you because you've seen most everything. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of an, a lot of a lot of reasons for Houston to play their starters and play a damn good game. Uh, you want to see as much out of that offense with Luis, Luis Perez as you can. Should be a good one. Um, look forward to it. <clears throat> All right, let's move forward and talk about the Vegas Vipers taking on the Seattle Sea Dragons. That game is in Seattle. It is Sunday, April 23rd at 9 p.m. Eastern. So we're looking at a little bit of a later start time than what we've been doing the past couple of weeks. That game is on ESPN2, um, and like I said, it also takes place on ESPN+. Plus. I don't even know where to start on this one, guys. What do you think? It's hard to say. I mean, Seattle, Seattle's just been on the rise, man, ever since week, week, what was it, four when they beat Houston? I mean, they've just been getting better and better and better. It's scary that Danucci didn't throw a consequential interception last game because if he starts doing things like that frequently and not throwing consequential interceptions – then Seattle's really hard to beat even for D.C. So, I mean, I think Seattle is it. Where did you say this is? This is Lumen Field, right, in Seattle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't see this one being very close, especially with Vegas having stuff to figure out on the offensive line after they lost Demby against Houston. Uh, I think Seattle's about to tear Vegas up big time. Yep, uh, I agree with you. I think Vegas has something to prove, but otherwise there's not much there. What about you, Jake? What you got on this one, man? I hate to say it, but this is a matchup. I'd rather just play the fifth on it and not even comment <laughs> on it. Fair enough. I mean, with Vegas, are we looking at anybody? We know McClendon's going to be playing well. I mean, are we looking at anybody that's notable? I mean, Bidette, Bidette playing. Uh, the potential for Rod Smith to be out is kind of a big deal. Uh, he got hurt again against Houston. He came into the game questionable, though. I mean, he Vegas really... They're in good position as far as injuries go. They've got players. The problem is that offensive line. If they can't, if if they could protect McClendon, then I would be a lot more bullish on Vegas making it close. 
but I don't think Vegas can make it close without without being able to protect McClendon. And if, I mean, you saw what Houston's defense did to him last week. The I mean, Seattle is they may not have as good of a defense as Houston has, but they still make plays and they're still going to be able to stop Vegas. So they're disciplined. They don't get a whole lot in, in, in terms of scoring defense, but overall, I think they're more than capable of stopping Vegas. And and honestly, I think Las Vegas, the the betters or the or the casinos are, are thinking that that Seattle has that in their in their favor as well. They're looking at eight and a half point favorites for Seattle. Yeah, the the Vegas Vipers can really be the Battlehawks' best friend this week. Apparently, if they can beat the Sea Dragons, that helps the Battlehawks if they win. So yeah, that, and the, the potential is there. If they, I mean, if they get somebody that they can trust on that offensive line worked in from their reserves, then there's every chance that Vegas could pull off a, a sneaky one, right? But I think it's, I just think it's going to take a lot more because if they had that, they probably would have done it during the game against Houston. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Now the the over under for this game, so it's an eight and a half point favorite for Seattle, but the over under is set at forty seven. So they they're expecting a lot of points to be scored. Yeah, I mean, with Danucci at the helm, I'm I'm expecting them to have quite a bit, just as it is. So I, I would take the over on this. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure I would touch over under on it. I w- if I was betting, I probably would bet on Seattle to cover. If Seattle covers, then I would say the under probably hit. But uh, I mean. I wouldn't take that as a as a as a parlay or anything. I, I think, yeah, I, eight and a half even. I don't know. I'm pretty bullish on Seattle in this game. <laughs> I, I think they I think they'll cover. So I, I probably would think that the under would hit. Yeah, we've been pretty bullish on Seattle for a while now. So, um, uh, in terms of of team wise, we've been talking for a few weeks, and that that's been my favorite for the championship win, just by far. Not my favorite team, though, so don't get jealous, Houston. Anything like that. (laughs) Uh, Jake, you got anything else to share before we move on to the power rankings? Nope, I think you're good. All right, so those are the game previews for this week, the final week of the XFL, final week of the regular season of the XFL. It's been a ride, fellas. It has been a ride. All right, Drew, if you could inform us of the power rankings, that would be awesome. These are Drew's power rankings for the XFL Insider Podcast, and they are informative and helpful in my decision-making for who is the best in the XFL. Yep, so uh, DC still sits on top. Uh, they being able to hold off uh, Arlington team that really was sneaky and came around late just kind of reiterates to me that you know, they can still perform against a really good defense. Arlington's one of the better defenses that there is. So they can still perform. DC still sits on top. They've got the best record. So, you know, there's no real knock in that decision. Seattle jumps over St. Louis with that win over St. Louis. St. Louis drops below Seattle. So it goes DC, Seattle, then St. Louis for one, two, three. And then Houston wraps up the top four. Right after Houston, you have Arlington coming in. So they they definitely put up a good fight against D.C., ended up losing, didn't improve their record. So they kind of stayed just where they are, even though it was it was really impressive. San Antonio comes in after Arlington. So San Antonio finally put a little bit of offense together. 
played some good defense. Uh, they didn't. They didn't really have too much scoring offense. They was it two two touchdowns, and then there was a defensive touchdown by Beasley. So, uh, but San Antonio put together a complete game. Ended up beating Orlando. Uh, so they they're at six. Las Vegas is at seven. They played really good against Houston for the first half, and then just absolutely got slattered like a uh, slaughtered rather after they lost Demby. So uh, that puts them at seven, and then Orlando is still at number eight. So just to recap, it goes one DC, two Seattle, three St. Louis, four Houston, five Arlington, six San Antonio, seven Las Vegas, and eight Orlando. Nice presentation there. I'll tell you, from gauging the rankings I've looked on online, Yours is very similar to a lot of other sports analysts this week. Similar, but better. Just kidding. I don't know. Always better, <laughs> baby. I don't ever look at anybody else's stuff. I just try and pay attention to my stuff and do some situational analysis there. Yeah, yeah. You can't because you don't want to be mimicking their show style and what they're doing. Oh, so I, I definitely look at their information and what they presented, but stuff like actual shows, I try to skip around. Okay, so next up, let's talk about the AmbushSports.net Players of the Week. This week, we have Ben DiNucci, of course, QB for the Seattle Sea Dragons, and Drew Beasley, D-end for the San Antonio Brahmas. Both these guys had a hell of a week. Ben DiNucci had 298 yards with three touchdowns and one interception. That man is looking good and is one of my favorites, and I'm sure Jake has a lot of good things to say about him this week. <laughs> Jake, what do you got? <laughs> no, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm staying silent on this one. Hey, Jake, it's all right. I already, I already called Danucci a turd and a douchebag on this podcast, so uh, you're wide open if you want to take some shots. <laughs> yeah, you missed that. Yeah, <laughs> the bash now, hour was there. I, for you. Well. I mean, as you guys both know, I kind of flew off the handle on the, the the in our staff chat, so I'm just trying to ease my words in carefully because I don't want to get any more. I man, I want to say the four letter S word, but yeah, let's just say I don't want to get any more trouble than I currently am with you guys and you know with the rest of the staff. Um, now. I am trying to recall, didn't Danucci do something classless like punch someone in the face or some junk like that? He may as well have punched somebody in the face. He he ran over one of the defenders, knocked him out cold, and then stood over and flexed on him. And not only did that, for about two or three minutes afterwards was flexing and showing off to the the fans and just generally being a classless ass. Oh, oh, God, forgive me for this, but Jesus (laughs) Christ, these... He's a bigger douchebag than anybody that fakes their injuries in soccer. <laughs> the people that fly up in the air and pretend their knee is hurting and crap like that. Um, I, I mean, seriously, I mean, that's freaking classless. But that that's all I'm going to say about the pooch nooch. Yeah, he's... <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he does some things that are worth, you know, applauding. He may does do some some community stuff, but on the field, that's about as douchebaggy as it gets. <laughs> oh, I hate to be like the advocate for him, but I'm gonna do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is when Brock Lesnar usually takes six to nine months off and leaves everybody else hanging, which is a life that you rescued me from, my tribal chief, which is why I love you, my tribal chief. Mr. Danucci has 333 passing attempts for 2,332 yards in total. He's got 17 touchdowns on the season and 11 interceptions for the season. So the interceptions has been up that whole this whole season. He usually averages what two to three a game. Talking about consequential interceptions or touchdowns? Yeah, interceptions. Oh. <laughs> one to two. I don't think he's had. Has he even had a three interception game? I'm not sure. I know a couple have been called back sometimes as well. So um, it kind of all blends. But anywho, I just want to note that. I mean, he is skilled, and I understand his personal behavior isn't highly favorable for an athlete especially a good athlete but can't you can't hate on the stats you can't nope. hate on the man so oh, he had a fantastic game it's just an asshole keep it up <laughs> Danucci. drop drop the attitude though we like yep. watching you <clears throat> for sure no it, he, we said earlier in the podcast it was it was pretty much an xfl masterclass. it's about as good as you're going to see somebody play in the xfl at the quarterback position outside of Dormady's freak five touchdown game, you know, uh, I think Danucci really honestly is probably is tops as far as quarterbacks in the league, uh, not named McCar- a healthy McCarron, at least, you know, if he can drop interceptions, if he can rein in his shenanigans, I would like him a lot better. No doubt. I'm in agreement. So, you want to talk about Drew Bre- Beasley next? How do you think about that? How lucky do you have to be to just throw your hand in the air at a ball and it drop right into your bread basket? Now, luck really has nothing to do with why he he is the defensive player of the week. The guy was all over the field. Tackles for loss, sack. I mean, the the interception return for a touchdown. The guy did everything. I mean, he was the motor for the defense. He led by example. You didn't see him out there talking a lot. He just did what he did. And when you put in a defensive performance like that, it really does help. Like you guys saw in the Houston game, defensive performances help offenses. So, you know, it it really set the standard for the game and said, no, we're not going to shut up. We're not going to back down. We're going to fight and we're going to take what's ours. And they took it. And that's, that's a large portion of that is because of what Beasley did. Four tackles, one and a half sacks, one tackle for a loss, one interception, and of course the one touchdown from the interception. Hell of a week his way. Thirty-three was everywhere, and he made for the game to be exciting. So Absolutely. he did a re- really good job. That, like I keep saying, every team has some defensive studs that that just keeps this going. It keeps the the sure athleticism and competitiveness rolling. So we love to see it. And the best thing is, is they're not a good team and he's playing like he's the best guy in the league. So keep it up, right. bro. Do work. Yeah. It's, it's, he puts on a hell of a show every week. It's not just this week either. Like he He's one of the guys that consistently week in and week out as a performer. He's been a, a multiple time nominee for defensive player of the week this season. Excellent player. Really, both of those guys, uh, Danucci and and Beasley, excellent players. Well-deserved. 
Do you got anything you want to share on Drew before we move on and close out for the evening? No, I think really that's it. Uh, I think we should close out with, you know, our own wishing our own thoughts and prayers to the, to the family and friends of Chris Smith and the Seattle football family. Uh, definitely a tragic thing to happen, regardless of where you stand in, in terms of, you know, on field, off field stuff. Uh, it's, it's tough to deal with. So seeing something like that's always sad. So, you know, thoughts and prayers to, to everyone associated with Chris Smith that, that he had affected in his life. Rest in peace, Chris. God willing, we hope your family and friends find peace in this tough time. And believe me when I say the XFL community really feels a death more than it's expected. Now, this would be the second one so far this season. Uh, the first being um, the trainer with the Battle Hawks. Um, he passed as well, and it was a sad deal. So God, God bless you all, and rest in peace, Chris. Let's give it a second just to yep. silence for him, please. Okay. As we close it out, Drew, Jake, please shout your socials where the people can find you, all the good stuff, yada, yada. <laughs> all right. So uh, so for me, Drew Wells is the name. And on Twitter, I am at Ambush Sports H-O-U for Houston, at Ambush Sports H-O-U. Uh, Jake Leonard on uh, Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Jake Leonard J-R-N. I'm also the editor-in-chief of Heartline Newsfeed. You can find that at heartlinenewsfeed.com. And I am Matthew Tyler, the XFL Insider podcast host. These are my co-hosts, Drew and Jake. Appreciate both of you guys greatly for the time you spend. You can find the XFL Insider Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Just search that term and it'll pop up, I promise. Super active usually. Uh, as well as you can find our podcast on any streaming network and YouTube. Check us out. Send us a message. Like, follow, comment, share, whatever. We appreciate everybody for listening. We thank the XFL for a great season. Um, I want to thank Ambush Sports. For, for getting me on and getting Drew and Jake involved as well. All of us were represented by Ambush, and we appreciate us being able to get as close as we can from that relationship. I also want to thank XFL Board for posting our stuff on their site and showing us off. So thank you both. Thank you guys for coming on. Look forward to next week. We're supposed to have a guest on. And he will be talking more about betting, and I'm not going to say his name yet until I know for sure and have it finalized. But it should be a big one. It should be a good one. So uh, appreciate everybody. Have a good night. And we will see you next week.